As we continue to ignore the fact that we were born to give, that God has given us this gift of generosity, if we ignore that and continue to push it away, what sin does as it has twisted us and it has twisted money itself, greed says, I will gather as much as I can to myself and I will keep it and more and more. You may be rich physically, but you are spiritually broke because greed steals from us spiritually. That's what Proverbs 119 means. It steals or it takes away the life of its owners. When you give, when you're generous, that reflects your theology. Your generosity reflects what you truly believe. As you give away, what you're saying is, I am trusting that in Christ is my true security. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Tonight we're going to be back in for our last study in the book of Proverbs. And so Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26, and we're going to be talking about money tonight. So we should probably pray, right? money. Tonight, the title of our message is Wisdom and the Gift of Generosity. So, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we're so thankful, God, that you are with us. Um, Lord, that you've given us your word to guide us in a world that is incredibly confusing. We thank you that your word is the, the light into our path. And Lord, that you have written for us uh, your known will. This is what you would have us to do and how, have us to live. And so, Lord, we're thankful that your Holy Spirit gives us the power to live this kind of life. And we're thankful, God, that you have given us um, access to the wisdom of God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to take what we hear tonight and to put it into practice. And, Lord, we're thankful for the gifts that you've given to us. We're recognizing tonight that everything that you've given us, it comes from you. The very breath in our lungs, it's a gift from God. And so, Lord, we just want to um, spend time tonight hearing from, what, uh, from you and, and what your word has to say to us. And so, uh, Lord, we ask that you be with us now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse my lips, my heart, my mind, um, that I might represent you correctly. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've been going through this study, I think the last time I taught, uh, we were talking about Christian community, Zach taught on wisdom and emotions. Uh, Josiah last week taught on uh, virtue. I was so stoked to hear him teach on Proverbs 31. <laughs> and I was like, dude, he's like, I want to teach on virtue in Proverbs 31 and being a Proverbs 31 man. I was like, eh. You go, dude. It's all you. So great study. I got to listen to it on our podcast on the way home. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to our podcast, you don't have to be to come to this church. But if you'd like to catch up, maybe listen to some of the past ones you can. And if you are a subscriber, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't. I don't want to know. But if you are, dude, give us like a, a like or a, a star or like a comment or a review. If you don't like something, we'll take that too. Right now there's like one. And, and it's, I think it was my mom who did it. So, um, 
<laughs> just let us know you're out there. All right. Um, so tonight we're going to be tackling wisdom and money. And uh, we want to start with a great quote from one of my favorite people in the world, a great theologian, Steve Martin. He says this, I love money. I love everything about it. I bought some pretty good stuff. It got me a $300 pair of socks, got a fur sink, an electric dog polisher, a gasoline powered turtleneck sweater, and of course, I bought some dumb stuff too. It was a joke. Okay. When it comes to money, we got to be honest with ourselves. We like it. I'll speak for myself tonight. I like it. I like having it. I like seeing the numbers in my bank account. And there's two of them. You know, just two is fine with me. We like it. We want it. And the fact is, is we all need it, don't we? Money is a necessity of life. We have to have it in order to live, especially in one of the most expensive counties in all of America. Having traveled to the Midwest, I was, I was like just laughing how ridiculous. Every, it was so cheap. And I'm like, this is not fair. This is not fair. Not at all. We put gas in this van that we were borrowing, and it was $14. <laughs> My Suburban is 25 gallons of gas. It's 80 to 90 to $100 every time I go take my kids to soccer. I'm thinking, there's 75 bucks. You know, like, it's so crazy. But we need money. It's a part of our life. It's a part of how we survive in this world. But looking at that quote from Steve Martin, it makes me think, what is my attitude towards money? How do we view it and how do we use it? How highly do we value it? And what does the Bible say about money and using it wisely? You've heard the verse in 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That verse, a lot of times we, we've heard it quoted that money is the root of all evil, that money itself is evil, when in fact money is amoral. It's not evil and it's not good. Like if you have money in your pocket, it's not like the devil's in your pocket and you're like, this is evil. It's what I do with that money that makes it one or the other. Money is the root of all kinds of different evil is what that verse is literally translated for the love of it. It's the passion for it. It's the pursuit after it. It's the affection towards it. It is the want, the desire, the drive, and that only towards money. But what Proverbs has to say in verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 25, it says, the desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. And this is where we begin on what the Bible has to say about how Christians use money. We are to be radically generous, radically generous. And to, I want to charge you this evening to consider tonight being radically generous with what you've been given. If you, now, if you're like, I'm broke, I need someone to be radically generous to me, that'd be great. Now, let's, I understand some of you are in college, some of you are in college, 
uh, or, or you're not like you're working a job and you're like, I don't know what I want to be and I have no money, but I'm working this, this job and I have to have it. I get it. But when it comes to what scripture has to say, there's a reality towards generosity that is a freeing thing. And that's what scripture points us to. If you look at money itself, we talked about how it's amoral. Money can buy a house. It can tear apart a family. It can bring friends together or tear friends apart. It can build wells in impoverished countries and build missiles in oppressive countries. Money itself is not evil. Money is amoral. But the love of it is the root of all kinds of different evil. And money can be used for good, but as we have seen it also, it can be used as a source of some of the greatest wickedness against humanity. Some of the greatest wickedness and evil that has been done to each other, at the root of it, is money. If you look at sex trafficking today, welcome to church, by the way. If you look at sex trafficking, sex has become a commodity. The reason that they're trying to lower the age of consent to 16 and below is so that they can market sex to us. It creates a market to buy and sell sex. That's sick. That's twisted. But at the root of it is money. That's evil. Now, some of you support Operation Christmas Child, and, or, or some of you support kids through Compassion International. Amazing what 35 bucks a month can do for a kid in Thailand who is hearing the gospel, raised up, taught a trade, taken out of poverty in Jesus' name. An amazing thing that 35 bucks can do a month. And if you do not have a Compassion Kid, come talk to me. It's a rad organization. Just a little plug for Compassion. But ultimately... Money flows freely toward what you love most. Your money will flow freely towards what is truly your God. And just generally speaking, our culture teaches us to view generosity or giving our money away as loss. Right? Every time that you give, when you pay for something, have you ever bought something big and you pay cash for it? And we bought a tent trailer and the lady took cash. I remember having the envelope and I was like, it's different when you have the card and you're like, oh, no big deal. Charge it. But when you can see it there in an envelope, you're like, that's a lot of bills. And you're like, oh, I don't know. But ultimately, scripture tells us that money will flow towards what we love. And culture teaches us that being generous with it is giving away our money. There's loss involved. But scripture tells us something totally different. Look what it said in that. But the righteous gives and does not spare. A healthy biblical view of money is a part of our Christian maturity and growth. It has to be. It has to be a part of our maturity as a Christian. Because money is often sectioned out in our life or out of our walk with God. That it's divided between the secular and the sacred. Like, this is my, my secular life, and I have money in my bank account, and what I do with it is my business, and I have my walk with God over here, and that's cool, and that's great. Listen, there's no separation of secular and sacred within our life. Your bank account is something that is mingled in, and, and because of the gospel, your, your money is actually transformed, or the view of your money is transformed because of the gospel. 
So you can't separate secular and sacred in that sense. Um, but after all, our faith in Jesus Christ has restored our dead souls to life. How can it not also affect something that could rob God of my affections? Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. Jesus even talked more about money than, than a lot of things. Because his solution towards greed wasn't don't talk about money, but to think about it correctly according to the gospel, which has radically changed our life. Jesus didn't shy away from it and like, let's just not talk about greed or let's not talk about money. Remember when his disciples wanted to have that discussion or, or the Pharisees came to him. It was the Pharisees. And they're like, who, who do you pay taxes to Caesar? Right? They're trying to corner him. Because they know everyone hates Caesar. So he's like, yeah, pay taxes. All the Jews are going to be like, idiot. Of course. Just selling out to the man. That's my paraphrase. But if he says no, they could corner him with the Roman government and say, this guy refuses to pay taxes. He's an insurrectionist. And Jesus very shrewdly says to them, whose image is on that coin? And they say Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God. Why? Because man is made in the image of God. And so we give God our heart, and our money is our money. Whatever. Jesus talked a lot about it, because the answer to greed is a biblical view of money, and understanding generosity. If you look at the early church in the book of Acts, Acts 4, verses 32 through 35, Okay, it says, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of these things he possessed was his own, but he had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Lord Jesus. And a great grace was upon them all, nor, were possessed, nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and bought the proceeds or brought the proceeds to the things uh, that were sold and laid them the apostles' feet and they were distributed to each one as anyone had need. Now, in the early church, now it doesn't say that people just were like, I have a house, I'm selling it, I'm living on the streets, you take what you want. They were selling like their extra homes. As people got saved that were wealthy, they were like, I have this extra house, so I'll sell it, or I have a field that's extra. I'm just going to sell it, and I'm going to bring the proceeds to the feet of the apostles. I, anyone who has need, this is for this communal kind of desire. If anyone is lacking here, we want to we be generous with what God has given to us, because God has been so generous to us. Jesus has given us his, his own his inheritance. I mean, we're heirs with Christ. And so how could we not? And so they would, now listen, there was nowhere in the Old Testament where they said they had to do that. They were not commanded to do this. What's happening? Listen, generosity is a mark of a move of the Spirit of God, isn't it? Because it pulls and rubs against the flesh, which is to hoard and to keep and to build a bigger kingdom unto yourself. Generosity is a mark of a move of the Holy Spirit amongst God's people. And the gospel has made it not only possible for us to be radically generous, it has also given us, it, it can also be a powerful witnessing tool for the power of the gospel. And the gospel enables us to see giving as gain. Like Paul said, to live is Christ 
To die is gain. How is he able to do that? How is he, be, how is he able to be so generous with his own life? Because he understood a couple of things. And this is where we're going to begin tonight. We're going to be all over the book of Proverbs. So if you want to write down these verses and look them up later to make sure I'm not misquoting or making them up. Um, like, um, yeah. It says, number one, our first point is, you were made to give. You were made to give. We were created to give. Giving freely from what God has given to us. When we give, we actually reflect the, gener the generosity of our God. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Christian community. When, when we spend time with one another and we work out differences with one another, when I wrong someone or when I wrong you and you offer forgiveness, what I see in you is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ modeled in his people, don't I, right? We have that kind of, I get to see it fleshed out. I get to understand in a real tangible way the, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That he's forgiven my sin and the way that you've forgiven me or the way that I've forgiven you. We get to see Jesus in each other in the same way as we are generous towards others that are lacking or in need or to those that have wronged us and we're still generous. Guess what? They see the generosity of God through you. We reflect the generosity of our God and we display a giving God to a needy world. But where do I get money from? Our jobs. Imagine that. A job. Proverbs 12, 11 says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. This is really great practical. You know, those of you, sorry. If you grew up on the Disney Channel and suddenly you realize that like, oh, I can't be anything I want, <laughs> there's, there's a reality to that. Um, you know, just, you're like, I, as much as I want to be a ballerina, not built for it. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. If there are certain aspects to life in which there's reality sets in that if you don't work, you don't eat. It's very practical things. So if we're going to be generous... We're not generous with someone else's cash. We're generous from what God has given to us. And the way that we provide that generosity is by working. And you're like, work? Ah, oh, so sinful. Let's just go back to, I wish we were in Eden when we didn't have to work. Do you know that work pre-existed the fall of man? That God gave Adam a job? And then sin came in and made it really hard. Work is a blessing from God because our God, when we work hard, it actually reflects the character of God who is a working, making God. So work, listen, is not the devil. It is actually God's gift to you. It's God's gift to you. It's something that we get to do. As much as you're like, I hate the fries. Like, I don't, <laughs> or whatever, I hate. Like, I, there's aspects of my jobs that I, I don't exactly love. Where I'm like, yes, funeral this week. I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. VBS for an entire week doing snack time? It's my favorite part of the week. When someone calls or texts the, the group chat on our, our staff text, it says, the bathroom has been blown to pieces. We need someone to go in. And you're like, if I wait long enough, someone will do it, right? Listen, 
The way in which we're generous is by the works that God has provided it to us. If you're thinking like, man, is it really? <laughs> I got that job. I earned that money. So why would I give it away? Who provided that job for you? You're like, well, my LinkedIn account, that's what provided it. No. Who got you that job? Who puts you in that spot? You're like, well, I worked really hard. How did you get to work? With my body? Who gave you your body? God did. Exactly. Who gave you that job? God did. God did. Everything is from him. Everything is his. Therefore, we are generous with what God has provided. It makes sense, right? For God has provided for us through our jobs, we give back to him. Now, sin has twisted, okay? Sin has twisted everything. From the very beginning of time, Genesis chapter 3, sin has affected every part of the human condition all the way down to a genome level. That's why death feels so wrong. When someone close to you dies or someone that you know passes away and you're like, this is not right, you're absolutely correct. It's sin that has brought that about. It has affected us all the way down to a genome level. Proverbs 1.19 says, so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owner. As we continue to ignore the fact that we were born to give, that God has given us this gift of generosity, if we ignore that and continue to push it away, what sin does as it has twisted us and it has twisted money itself, greed says, I will gather as much as I can to myself and I will keep it and more and more. You may be rich physically, but you are spiritually broke because greed steals from us spiritually. That's what Proverbs 119 means. It steals or it takes away the life of its owners. So giving will at times feel unnatural. It hurts. Someone asked uh, Pastor Tim Keller, like, how much should I tithe or how much should I give? And he says, just enough to where it hurts. Just enough to where it hurts. We were like, this is difficult. And because giving feels unnatural, it is because of that, also because men have taken advantage of the people of God because of their greed, haven't they? We see it all the time. I feel God's telling me that there's someone out there who wants to give us you know, money, thousands of dollars, and we need money to buy a jet. No church ever needs a jet. I don't know if you saw that. Ah, oh, never mind. We're not going to go there. <laughs> Preachers and sneakers. Anyway. There is, a, there is a righteous wrath that will come upon those who fleece the flock of God. If you steal and pilfer from God's people, you better believe you are in danger of hellfire from God. There's something my dad told me when I was young in ministry. He says, there's three things you don't touch. And that was the women, the money, and the glory. In ministry, you do not touch any of those things. And so often why giving feels unnatural or we hold back is because we have seen the abuse 
of church against God's people that enslaves them or gets them to give out of guilt, out of compulsion, or out of some other motivation. But when you give, when you're generous, that reflects your theology. Your generosity reflects what you truly believe. As you give away, what you're saying is, I am trusting that in Christ is my true security. Christ is my true security. And what any, any financial turmoil has taught us is that in any second, all of it can disappear. And so money gives us a false sense of, of security, doesn't it? We're like, I got money in the bank, like no big deal. In an instant, it can all go. Just ask Job. You can't ask him. But if you read his book, it's kind of a bummer. Like everything is gone in a matter of days. It can all be taken away. And so money often can give us a false sense of reality because of sin. But that, when we give, when we're generous, it reflects our theology and what we believe about God. Second thing tonight, Proverbs 21, 25, as we read, you are called to give. We are called to give by God. It says the desire of a man of a lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all the day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. The mark of the wise man or the wise person is a willingness to share. It's a willingness to share what you have. And we, we've said that this study, this, this, this study of wisdom is learning God's way of living or the skill of living in God's world. And so what God is saying about giving or being generous and, and giving things away, he's saying here that it's a smart thing. It is a wise thing to share what you have. And this is what I try to tell my kids. They don't understand. My little four-year-old, you're like, you have to share. You have to. And what this has revealed, this vacation has revealed to me, is that my kids are incredibly selfish and self-centered. And so are you and so am I. Aren't we? When I, I don't share food, it's just something I don't like to do. You order what you're going to order, I will order what I order, and you have a plate, and I have a plate. It, it's, it's like a border of a country. In order to pass that line, there are checks and balances that must take place. You must clear border patrol and all that stuff. <laughs> The mark of a wise person is the willingness to share. Proverbs 3, 27 through 28, it says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power and your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Interesting enough, my, I don't know about you, my goal during the day is to not harm anyone else, right? That's usually my goal. Like, I, today, Lord, help me not to hurt anybody. It's a good goal. It's a grand goal. How many not to hurt anyone's feelings? How many not to be, and we can end the day and be like, Shh, did it. Homeschool high five. I did not hurt anyone today, but did I withhold anything good in which I could do for someone else? The Bible talks about sin of commission and omission in the same way in which I'm not doing anything wrong in the same way I'm not doing anyone any good either. The Bible says that is unwise. You are called to give. And the fascinating thing is we kick against this 
so hard, don't we? Like, we, we fight against this so bad. Like, I don't want to. Has anyone ever said that out loud? Like, I don't want to. I say it weekly. Like, I don't want to do that. And God says, die to yourself. And you're saying, I don't want to. I don't want to. And he says, you're called to give of yourself. I don't want to. We're called by God to give and to be generous. And a wise person accepts that word and does what God says. God's word not only um, charges us, but it commands us to. Because in order to free us from greed and the power of money, we must give it away. Do you realize in order to be free of the chains of it, you have to have an open hand towards it. You have to give it away. Jesus even said to the rich young ruler, if you want it, he's like, I've kept the law. What else do I need to do in order to earn salvation or, or get into the kingdom? And Jesus says to him, sell all that you have and come and follow me. And he turned and he walked the other way. He refused it. Why? Because Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. The love of his life, where his money freely flowed, where his heart was, was truly found, was in his possessions and in his money. And that's why Jesus said that. He puts his finger on his God and says, this is what you worship. Give it up. Be free of it. Be generous with it. And you will have joy. And it says that he turned and went sorrowful back to his riches. The only way for us to be free of the power of greed in our life is generosity. We have to give it away. We have to. And the way that we give it away is with no strings attached. Does that make sense? Not just giving it with hopes of something in return. Because that's what Jesus did. He shed his own blood knowing that those that he gives it to and offers it to would reject it. But this calling is for our good, to be a blessing to those around us. Because again, it reflects the generosity of our God who loved us, so he gave his only son. One of the places that we give, obviously, is the local church. Now, this is not a plug for me to be like, you guys need to be tithing. I don't know if you've been coming to this church for a while. I hope you understand. We never ask for money. Never once do we say, today we need your money. Never. That's not what we do. We're not about that because God's work is supplied by God. If God wants it to happen, it will happen. God will provide the generosity of his people. We never ask for money. It is not what I'm doing tonight. I hope you know that. Now, like, second offering, here we go, you know? <laughs> it's not what we're doing. Because God's work is, is powered by God. But one of the places in which we give or we're generous is in the local church. Why is that? The church is an irreplaceable organization. It is unlike anything else in this world. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 9.13, it says, Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Paul is saying that the church is an irreplaceable organization. 
It's unlike anything else in the world because not only does it serve the practical needs of the community, but for the most radical need in our world, and that is the need of spiritual famine. That is the business of the church. That is the purpose of the church. And listen, as you give and are generous towards that, you are a part of that. You're a working part of that. You may not see it. You may not always see what's happening. You are a part of what is going on in the world. The, the effect that this church is having upon the world, you are a part of that because the church is not a building. It is a people, isn't it? Right? It's not that our building is having an effect on the world and our building is like stoked. <laughs> it's a building. It, it's, it, yeah. It doesn't have that kind of impact. It's this church, this body of believers that is generously giving to the work that God is doing. It is extended throughout the world. You are a part of that as fruit to your account as you are generous. Not only with your money, but with your time and as you give of yourself towards one another. So again, please, I am not asking you for money. We are not saying that you must tithe in order to be a member of this church. If you want to come to this church, you come to this church. You want to give to God, you give to God. Tithing is between you and God. No one will ask you, did you give your 10%? Did you? And that goes to, in the New Testament, there's never an amount to Jesus that Jesus says. When someone asks him, like, how much should you give? Jesus isn't like, well, let's sit down. Here's my calculator. Let's see what you make. And we'll just type that out. And he's got his abacus and or whatever. And he's working out a system. Does he? What does he say? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. The, the, the text means someone who's laughing at how much they're, like, giving over. Like, oh, this is so it's just, oh my gosh, it just pouring out. Listen, I don't know if you've ever, there's that saying, like, it's blessed, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like at Christmas, I love to get presents. That's like the best part, right? Some of you are looking at me awfully judgmental. Scowling like, how dare you? No, I do. I super love presents. Um, my birthday, my wedding anniversary, and Christmas, the only time that I would get presents, other than Father's Day, is all in December. So for a year, I have to wait to get presents. And Father's Day, I'm getting like a weed whacker. And I'm like, yay, chores. That's not a present. I'm getting off track here. I'm talking about generosity, I'm talking about how much I love to receive. This is very <laughs> embarrassing. Okay. Not only are we called to give, we are blessed to give. Proverbs 11.25 says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. As you give, as you're generous, you are investing in the spiritual life of those around you, and you in turn will be blessed. This is not a principle in which we can say, God, see, I gave this amount. How come you're not making me rich? I give to you. I'm generous. That means you owe me something. Jesus would say, keep your money. That's not what it's about. But when we are blessed, it's saying that we will be rich in those things which matter most. Those things which matter most. We become blessed because we are forced to think, I'm blessed to have anything at all. Right? 
When we sit down and we, we okay, I'm going to give this much. You're like, wow, I have something to give. What, what, am I even deserving to have this? Not to mention all that God has blessed me with. It forces me to be thankful that God has blessed me with anything. And as we give, we're reminded that our true identity and our true security comes from God. That God has provided for me and he will continue to provide for me. Why? I'm his kid. And he loves me and he cares for me. And so as I give, I'm reminded of my true identity and my true security that nothing will change God's love for me. And the invitation to be generous is an invitation to find deeper joy in our God. The invitation to give away of those, those things that are material or whatever is an invitation to go deeper into our walk with God. Like I said, the story of the rich young ruler. Jesus said, give it away and you'll find deeper joy in your God. And he turned away and walked away sorrowful. He refused to be generous. And listen, the call of generosity in scripture is a call to be blessed as the grip that money has on our hearts is released and we are enriched in what matters most. In closing, what should our motivation be to give? What is our motivation to give and to be generous? Should, it should never be guilt. It should never be self-interest or compulsion. It should always be longing and desire. Longing and desire. One of my favorite Bible teachers said this, Christian generosity flows from transformation to work for transformation. Christian generosity flows from transformation to work for transformation. So generosity, the motivation for it, it's talking about what is moving us, what moves you to be generous. It should always come back to the gospel. What God has given to us, the longing and the desire to see our Savior face to face, that we were once dead in our sins and trespasses, and God has made us alive by the death and resurrection of his Son, Jesus. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 through 9. Paul, who was, his ministry was supplied and he lived based on the generosity of the churches that he planted. He also had a tent making business where he would work and provide for his own needs. But he says this to the Corinthian church. He says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that you love also, your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by this poverty might become rich. The motivation that Paul says should be our motivation towards generosity is the generosity that God had showed to us. In all of the riches of Christ, he became poor so that we might become rich. 
the motivation is always love. It's always love. Because you love God and you're moved by the love of God, generosity will flow from that place. Romans chapter 8, verse 32, and we'll close with this verse. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Which reminds me of what it said in Proverbs 21, verse 26. But the righteous gives and does not spare. Our righteous God, pure and holy, did not spare his own son and gave it for us. And so how can we not also be generous? It is a wise thing. It is a wise thing to be generous. Be free. We live in, in a very materialistic society. And I'm just talking about our, our county. Having traveled to the Midwest, ice machine's working. Having traveled to the Midwest, there's something that you notice as you walk into Walmart is that no one cares what you're wearing. No one cares what I look like. It was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Where you don't feel like you're being sized up. You don't feel like people are judging you as you walk by and you can feel eyes on you. No one cared, almost to a fault. We are like, dude, you should care. <laughs> should care. But I found it insanely refreshing. And what it, what it reveals is just how, how this is where we live. We're constantly battling with this idea of keeping up the image and keeping up with the Joneses and, 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 and trying to one-up the neighbor, like one-up them by this. And don't get me wrong, listen, if you have stuff, like. Don't, don't be condemned and like, I have to sell everything and Pastor Andrew says I'm going to hell if I'm not generous. Like if I don't sell all my possessions and give it to the poor, that is not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that you need to sit down and say, God, where can I be generous? In what way are you calling me to be generous with what you have given to me? Because everything that I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. In what way would you want to move in my heart by your spirit to be generous? And, and to be open to that. If you have stuff, like, don't, please, don't be condemned. I know Billy just got a new truck or you're getting a new truck. Please don't be condemned about your new truck. I'm so excited for you to have a truck. I had a truck and I sold it. It was the worst decision I've ever made in my life. There's probably other decisions. But what I'm asking you to do is to step out of the culture in which we live, step into the calling that God has for you, and to realize that you're a Christian living in a world that is perishing, and you're thinking, God, in what way am I bound to things? In what way has Orange County just wrapped itself around me and I am enslaved to things or image or whatever and God, you're calling me to open my hand and let go. And I, I bet you, it's going to hurt. I don't know how God's going to move on your heart. <laughs> Remember that quote, give, give until it hurts a little bit. And you're like, well, how much? Just a little bit. 
And in doing so, you're going to realize how blessed you are in return. There's a, a passage of scripture where God, through his prophet, tells the people to pull the tithe, like the, the nation of Israel, to pull the tithe all into the storehouse. And he says, test me on this, that I will not pour out more blessing upon you than you can imagine. Isn't that interesting that God says, test me on this. Will I not bless you beyond what you give back? So encourage you guys. I don't know if anything hits you weird and you're like, eh, I have a question. Please, let's talk. If you feel like I'm trying to get you to give money to this church, please let me reiterate to you, that is not my heart at all. That is not what we are saying at all. That is not the, the heart of our church. That is not the heartbeat of our pastor. That is not the heartbeat of Jesus. That is not what this is. This is a calling that God has given to each of us, and it is a blessing that God has given to each of us. So, let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this amazing gift of generosity. And so, God, we pray that you would help shape our view of money according to the gospel. The God who, who so loved us gave. Lord, we want to be a people that's moved by generosity. We're moved by the love of God towards generosity. And so, God, we pray that you move upon each heart individually. God, we thank you that you are the God, not only of the church globally, but you are the God of the individual. That each of us, God, you have a plan and a purpose for our life. And God, you, you know us and you know, what you, you know you have a plan for us. And so God, we want to know what that is. And so Lord, we pray that each of us would search our heart. And if there's any way in which we've been entrapped and enslaved by the culture around us, Lord, we pray that you'd free us tonight, that our hands would be open. You'd loosen the grip of what the Bible calls mammon and the God of this world, that we might enjoy our God more. And so, Lord, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you we pray tonight that you'd move among your people as we sing your praises, as we worship you. And Lord, that you move among us as a body of believers, Lord, that, that we would reach out to those around us to ask them for prayer or to ask how we can pray for them, to not just come and go, but to allow you to move in us and to use us to bless each other and one another. So Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for the gift of generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.